these people don't want any black characters. It's not a, a part of the Steven Universe. Go f*** yourselves. Go f***ing crawl back into your little Morlock caves. God damn it. Radio Drome. My name is Josh Hadley. I am a fan of movies. You are not a fan of me if you are listening to Radio Drome. That's what I get from all the comments. With me, as always, is Cecil, his own biggest fan, Trachtenberg. Yes, and I don't like you. You never have. (laughs) I can tolerate you. You know what? You've got a high tolerance, then. I certainly do. And and then we have Peter, <laughs> absolutely no one likes him, including himself, Gajic. That's correct. And I hate everybody else, too. So it all works out. I, I'm just thinking of that line from Lethal Weapon, do what I do, hate him back. <laughs> if you guys want something that's nice, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, free power O-ring, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Now, let's alienate our entire listenership. Let's talk about fan entitlement and fan service. When you hear fan service, what what do you think of? Is fan service something that's good to have in movies or TV shows or cartoons or whatnot? Or is it something that's bad? It can be good, I think, when it's when it's done to actually do justice to source material, I think it's it's good because it shows that the director or the writer actually really care about what they're doing and they're they're fans of it themselves. Like 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 a comic book film that's done well, or uh, or a sequel to an existing film that calls back. I think that would that would be a good form of fan service. Sometimes it's it's done a little little too over the top later like let's say later sequels to like the terminator movies kind of go a little overboard with it like terminator genesis did even though i enjoyed it that movie was basically just fan service the movie in a lot of ways but i think that's that's generally pretty pretty harmless if if handled well um if you're just doing a callback or you're just you're, you're getting things right in an adaptation like the uh carl urban judge dread film i think is a goddamn marvel of uh of fan service like that was finally doing you know after so many years of uh the stallone judge dread movie even though i do kind of like it after getting that one so wrong they finally gave us something that really did uh service the the fans of the of the 2000 ad universe and because it was obviously made by somebody who gave a shit, who actually really, really enjoys uh, Judge Dredd and wanted to bring him to the screen properly. Like Peter said, it uh, kind of goes, can be good, it can be used for bad. Um, I think a lot of times people misunderstand uh, when they do fan service. They just think that if they put a bunch of references and shit into uh, a movie or a television show, like that's somehow just going to please the fans. Paul Feig just came out recently and was saying about how he now blames the original Ghostbusters that, for... Uh, okay, Cecil, that was actually <laughs> that, that was actually the impetus for why we're talking about this tonight. So I, I was ah, going to get to so. that, yeah. I thought so. 
Yeah, I figured as much, but I thought I would bring that up. But all right, well, anyway, for if that's what it's um, it can be good. I like movies that uh, are fan service, especially uh, if they're coming from the right place. If they're doing little nods and stuff that's maybe not completely obvious. Uh, if you're really a fan, you'll get a lot of it and you'll get a lot more enjoyment out of it. But if you're not a fan and you know you see stuff, you you know it's not going to detract from the the production at all. It's just going to add to it. So I think that it can be uh, a good thing, but it's also something that's used for bad. It goes both ways where you, you've got some directors who know how to use it properly. I'm not a huge fan of the Marvel movies, and I think they do go overboard on fan service with references to things that they're never going to ever touch on. But, but then the fans can go, oh, they referenced it, they referenced it. But they at least understand what they're doing. On the other hand, you have, you have lots of, lots of things that seem to not understand and like, like you pointed out, just cram in reference after reference for the sake of, look, we read the comic books too. And that's not just comic books. That's a literary adaptation, anything like that. But then you also have the weird fan entitlement and this tends to come in, remakes tend to do this more than anything else. You want the name and, but you don't want the original fans. Like, we haven't seen the movie, but that new Power Rangers trailer. Now, I'm not a Power Rangers fan. From what I'm gleaming from other Power Rangers fans is they watched that trailer and went, what the f*** was that? That's not Power Rangers. They might be called Power Rangers, but that's not Power Rangers. So, in an instance like that, I think they want the name and the audience, but they don't want to talk to that audience. Whereas then sometimes you have things that I think pander to the audience. So, it can go both ways. Remakes tend to be the ones where they say, we just want the name. Now, Cecil, you brought up the Paul Feig interview, since that was the impetus here. For those that don't know, Paul Feig recently came out and basically blamed Ghostbusters' failure on 1984's Ghostbusters because it, it it's everyone's fault but his. Have you guys noticed that? It, cool. You know, it's it's everyone's fault but his that he made an unfunny, unoriginal, uninspired, bland, boring, non-scary, non-exciting film. It's it's the fault of the fans, it's the fault of misogyny, it's the fault of Sony, and now it's the fault of the original film because he claims he was too faithful to the original with all of the references and the names and trying to make it feel like a Ghostbusters film that actually hampered him. Fuck you, Paul Fig. Yeah, I was really irritated when I read that because it was just more fuel to the fire. At this point, Paul, shut the fuck up. Everybody, like, I mean, there are people that vehemently defended this movie. You had people that were, you had bloggers that are like, well, I didn't like it, but it's really important that you go see it. No, it isn't. If it's a bad movie, then you don't need to go see it. So stop acting like it's some great thing in the world, you know, because there's four women in, in this movie. The same thing just came out about Birth of a Nation. Black websites are out there saying black people should go and support this new Birth of a Nation movie because it's an important film and that the white establishment is afraid of it. That's why it bombed. No, it bombed because it's structured like crap. The acting isn't very good. It's an ego piece. It's not very well made. It's historically inaccurate and it's not a good movie black people shouldn't be supporting this movie just because it's a black movie 
Yeah. How about you support the movie that you want to support? Isn't that yeah. kind of the ultimate freedom? Is it's like, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be supporting something because they're telling you to. You should be supporting it because you want to, because you, it's good or it's interesting or you just plain like it for whatever reason. You know, I, I don't understand that mindset of you have to go see this or like I can understand to a certain degree where if a, if a movie comes out, like let's say Judge Dredd, well, well, Dredd, Dredd came out, Dredd, a lot of people didn't go to see it initially because of the tie back to the Stallone movie. And yeah, the, um, they were still thinking there was this, you know, oh, this is a sequel to the Stallone movie. And they were also annoyed by how uh, they were really pushing the 3D angle. But then you had a lot of people that did go to see it and went, no, 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 no. You have to go see this because it's a really good movie. That's different. That's people saying, hey, you had the wrong idea about this movie. You need to go see it versus you need to see this movie because it's important. Well, yeah. it, it can be important, and it can also be a good movie. Oh, of course it's, of course it's the original movie's fault. You know why? Because it's better. <laughs> Ghostbusters 2016 is a f***ing shameless remake pile of crap on the same level as Psycho, as the Psycho remake was. And no, this remake was not that close to the original. Yes, there were little callbacks, but the characters were different, and Paul Feig did do something different enough. Not different enough to make it any better at all. It was a pile of shit, as most remakes like this are, just like the RoboCop remake was, where it still featured a lot of stuff from the original RoboCop, but they changed just enough to make it reek of shit, just like Paul Feig's Ghostbusters did. So, yeah, absolutely, he's right. It is the original's fault. It's the original's fault for existing and being a better movie than anything his f***ing stupid hands will ever touch. F*** that cuck. Phantasm Ravager, which just came out. A lot of our audience may not have seen this yet, but Phantasm Ravager... It's, it's to me, bad fan service. This was a film made, according to Coscarelli and its director, for the fans. And on, on a certain level, that does work as a closure to the franchise. The movie comes off like shameless fan service. Like, there are, there are so many scenes in this movie that make no sense other than, you remember that from the, from the third movie? That's here now! And I think that's shameless. And to me... We're going to do a whole Phantasm retrospective soon enough, but this movie is not an actual Phantasm movie. This is a fan film that happens to have the original people involved. And I think that's the worst kind of fan service. I enjoyed the new one to a certain degree. I think it was really cool to kind of see everybody together again. I thought it was neat to see all the uh, characters they had uh, from the series that they managed to get back into there. There were two people that I did not expect to see. And when I saw them, I was kind of hoping to see a third one, but she didn't come back. So uh, I, I, I was actually the post credit scene, which I won't wreck here because the movie's still so new. The post credit scene, I said, okay. Other than one other character, you find the most irritating character in the whole franchise, and that's the one you bring back? I didn't mind. I didn't think she was that bad. No, I, thought, I hated her character. I thought the, the kid would have been, would have been worse. Th th that's that's the one I was, yeah. Nobody would have recognized him, though, because he, you know, he'd, God, be like 30 at this point. Oh, 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 you're that, like, they could have threw anybody in there and it wouldn't have been. But, uh, no, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't particularly mind her. I, uh, I thought that, uh, it was, it was cool. Like, I mean, I knew going in 
all of this stuff that they went through. I knew that it was going to be really low budget. I knew that it was originally supposed to be a web series. I knew that, uh, you know, it didn't have Coscarelli at the helm, but still I enjoyed it to a certain degree. If I was not a Phantasm fan, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it, which is what a lot of what I said in my review is that how much you like Phantasm is really going to factor into this. And it is kind of sad that they went out on such a like low note because the series as a whole, ones that are better than others, but I don't really consider any of them particularly bad but this one it was definitely pieced together the positing was bad uh the effects were really bad um i didn't mind the story thought it was cool seeing uh angus scrim you know be the tall man one last time so i did appreciate stuff like that and i liked conceptually a lot of the stuff they did where they showed like the the hall of just thousands of the tall men and just waiting for the next one to take over and it had a lot of cool stuff in there and it's just sad for a a franchise that is beloved as this that's almost 40 years old at this point that they couldn't even get like five million dollars they couldn't even get one million dollars to do like a proper send-off uh and they did this very low scale low budget essentially better written asylum movie from what cecil said it's just definitely catered to people that have actually seen the movies and grew up on them and, and will actually get it. It does look pretty shameless and cheap, but hey, I'm shameless and cheap, so maybe I'll like it. I don't know. I think in terms of that sort of fan servicey stuff, though, it does look like it goes to that sort of level of, you know, the way the Marvel movies do it, where it's like, remember this this thing, this little, little tiny reference or, or stuff that they do in Terminator Genesis, where they literally redo scenes from older films and just throw all the all the older references in your face. Kind of overboard looking, at least from, from what I've seen in trailers. When people ex- are expecting something, and all they get is fan service, like Star Wars The Force Awakens. That movie follows the original film beat for beat for beat, and there are so many references that it was almost like J.J. Abrams was terrified to do something that didn't talk to the fans. And I think the film was worse for that. I didn't hate the movie, but I think it was a worse film. Or on the other side, you have, like, Prometheus, I'm one of the few people that enjoyed Prometheus for what it was, plot holes and all, but Ridley Scott was adamant, absolutely did not want this thing to be set in the alien universe. That he Mm. did not want xenomorphs, he didn't want any references, he wanted to make this a completely separate thing. So you have the two sides there, or you have something like Miami Vice, the, the 2006 movie, where... It was by one of the co-creators of the original show, and he said, literally, he gave an interview where Michael Mann said he didn't want anything from the original show. No callbacks, no sly references, no no in-jokes, none of the lighting, none of the theme song. He wanted this to be its own complete standalone movie. Then you have to ask yourself, then why the f*** are you calling it Miami Vice? If you don't <laughs> want anything to do, if you don't want anything to do with the original, then make something else. Make it its own thing. I think as far as Star Wars goes, I, I agree that Abrams probably was just scared out of his wits uh, to bring a new Star Wars movie to people just because I think people are still very, very scarred from the prequels as they should be. I mean, I liked Force Awakens. I think he he definitely brought back the old magic that the three originals had. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one and to Rogue Squadron and, and stuff like that. But that one was very heavy on the fan service. I'm actually surprised I didn't think of that one first. And I still liked it. I enjoyed it. 
but they even mention in the movie itself that, you know, it's just a bigger Death Star. Like, they, they literally just say that. As far as stuff like, uh, like Miami Vice goes, that, that one really, uh, Michael Mann was the Miami Vice guy. That was his show. And then he has the opportunity to do like a big budget movie of it. And you're kind of hoping for sort of classic Miami Vice and then he, he does something so different with it. I really hate, hate that movie. That was, um, like the casting choices were decent. I don't think Colin Farrell would have been as bad as he was had the character have been written differently. I don't know what the, what the pedophile stash was all about. That was just bad. That was, that's a case where something deserved to have more, more fan service and have the original theme and feel a bit more, cause it's Michael Mann. You, you want to see him use neon and, and have like a, you know, Tangerine Dream kind of soundtrack and stuff like that. That one sucked. I think th- those are two examples, I think, where you got Star Wars where it's, it's forgivable. It's Star Wars. It was fun. And the Miami Vice really could have, could have used more fan service, in my opinion. That was such, such a letdown of a movie for me because I was really looking forward to it when it was coming out because I grew up watching a lot of reruns of Miami Vice and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. Like a, you know, R rated, full featured, blockbuster version this is gonna and it's made by michael mann this is gonna be awesome and it was just because it could have used more fan service well i think the thing with star wars was that after the the prequels which i think that for the most part like the prequels were like nobody really had that much of a problem with the prequels until the red letter media videos like that was really when you the were tide you shape. were not you were not talking to the right people i remember walking out of phantom menace and going well, Star Wars is over. Nobody was really talking about how, you know, quote unquote, bad they were until uh, the Red Letter Media videos. And the thing is, the Red Letter Media videos, they're terrific. They're hysterical. They're funny. They're well done. And they do bring up a lot of legitimate points. But uh, much like a lot of other things, people kind of take the word as law. And it's like, I will agree that the first one had a lot of problems, but I liked two and three. I especially liked three. And uh, I don't think that they are, you know, these horrendous affronts to nature, as a lot of people have made them out to be in the later years. As far as the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, he had quite possibly one of the most daunting jobs ahead of him. If you, tr- if you veer off too much from Star Wars, you're going to get a crap ton of shit. If you veer off not enough, you're going to get too much shit. So I think in general what he did was he said, okay, we're planning a new trilogy here. Let's start the first one off in familiar territory and then veer off a little bit more with the sequels. Because I have a feeling mm-hmm. that 2 and 3, uh, or, or 8 and 9, rather, are going to be a lot different. There's going to be a lot more changes in things. There's going to be a lot. I have a really distinct feeling that a lot of things that we think about the first one now are going to be a lot different by the time we get to nine. I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff that uh, they introduced, like why Ray has force powers, why she was able to like master them so quickly. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that's explained later that's going to make a lot of people feel very silly about how much they're bitching and calling her Mary Sue now. He had a lot to do and he was very, you know, I mean, this is a billion dollar franchise here quite possibly the most valuable franchise ever and so they wanted to kind of play it a little bit safe and i don't fault them to do the first one to do it safely and then once people are reestablished with it and they're happy then continue on and do uh you know the next ones and make them a little bit more different you know make you know okay we see that the series is in good hands 
now let's see where you can go from here. I also really, I like Prometheus a lot because it wasn't just the same thing. I think that that's one of the problems with a lot of uh, movies with something like the Blair Witch movie, the the most recent Blair Witch uh, sequel. It was the sequel that everybody bitched and moaned that they really wanted two to be. So we got it and it sucked. It was It was awful. It was everything that the first one wasn't. But everybody, you know, what everybody thought the first one should have been. And it ended up being terrible and unscary. So I think that uh, in some cases, uh, when you veer off too far from something uh, or you you make something to appeal to people who didn't like one movie to begin with, then all you're going to do is just piss off everybody. Now, with uh, Prometheus, I liked it because it was a different story. I would have preferred some of the stuff that they initially had on the table, like the uh, the guy that melted when he was trying to get into the sh- uh, the ship like that was much better than the the zombie thing they had and just uh, a lot of cool things going on and uh, i appreciated the fact that uh, it wasn't just another alien movie it wasn't just all right they're on this ship and there's aliens chasing them they were doing something different they were doing something cool and they were showing a lot more of the history and you know the a little bit more of about the engineers and really enjoyed that so i was uh i was excited and i liked prometheus and i was shocked at just how much hate it got from people it uh, i didn't think it deserved it at all but uh what, what about when when you put stuff in your movie that is for the wrong fans like the movie's a disaster to begin with but like x3 when i'm the juggernaut bitch i mean that movie was already a disaster and you went oh god really okay you did i fucking howled are you serious i openly laughed at the i'm the juggernaut bitch don't you know who I am? I thought that was hilarious. I, and see, I, I, I cringed at that. And, and you get that sometimes, like, let's go back to Ghostbusters, the 2016. They have that scene where they put the video up of, of Kristen Wiig on YouTube, and they get all these negative comments, and they start talking about how people can't handle empowered women and all that, and they almost wink at the camera. I went, oh, God, if I needed another reason to fucking hate you, Fig... He put that in there, you know, after all the, you know, the shit happened. So, I mean, that was kind of, that was intentionally, all right, let's be smug. So that was kind of why that was in there. I'm the juggernaut, bitch! Oh, man. What? What are you even talking about? That movie doesn't even exist. God damn it, I'm the only one that liked that. You're the yes. only one who liked <laughs> X3, I'm sorry. That was funny. No, it wasn't. Look, day, Days of Futures Past erased all... Everything. It erased Origins. It erased fucking X-Men 3. We we don't need to ever touch upon Vinnie Jones quoting that stupid meme. It's, it never happened. It just never happened. Well, what about fan entitlement instead of fan service, where fans think they're owed something by their favorite franchise, favorite writer, whatever it is? For instance, back in 1992, Harlan Ellison, I think rightfully, went off on this something fierce where... He, he 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 had just had his heart attack, so he had a health scare. He said one of the first things he told his wife to do if he dies is to take all of his unfinished stories and burn them all so so nobody can pull a Frank Herbert, 
where, you know, the Dune books keep going by other authors with Frank Herbert's name on them, or a V.C. Andrews or something. Mm -hmm. And he got all this hate mail. He followed it up a few weeks later with all the hate mail he got of saying, that's not fair to us fans. We deserve to see what you were working on. And And he very rightfully put it, you don't deserve shit. You deserve the work. You deserve the book I release, the screenplay, the comic book, whatever. You deserve the work. You don't deserve anything more. And that is like fan entitlement, but the internet seems to have made it so much worse. George R.R. Martin, I think it was last year, had a health scare, and he's still writing the Game of Thrones books. And he got more than one tweet saying, please don't die until you finish this franchise. And he was like, thank you so much for concern about my health, you ignorant little shits. That, to me, is fan entitlement. Well, I think a lot of this is getting into something I was talking about the other day. There are a lot of people that have gotten into geek culture, let's say, fairly recently. I would say uh, it started around when the Marvel movies really took off. There were a lot of people could give two shits about comic books and Magic the Gathering and uh, Game of Thrones and all that stuff until it kind of became the de facto popular thing. And then everybody latched onto it. So unfortunately, we're getting a lot of influx of people that they don't really have any kind of connection. They don't really give a crap about any of it to a certain degree beyond they feel they should. So there is that certain sense of entitlement. Now, not saying that geek entitlement didn't exist before, but I think that you're getting a lot of self-important people that are getting involved in geek culture that uh, are doing that kind of nonsense. You're getting the, uh, the, the people that would be tweeting at, you know, George R.R. Martin, you know, oh, don't die until you finish this thing. Well, how about, you know, I really, I love your work. Please get better. You know, pl- uh, I, you know, worry about the books, you know, get back, you know, worry about your health first, like that kind of stuff, you know, but you're getting the assholes that are attacking him because he's taking too long to write the books and they'll never get closure on it. Well, sometimes that's how it works. I mean, it sucks. There's been plenty of shows and plenty of movies and plenty of franchises and stuff that I've loved that through one reason or another, uh, usually it's more monetary than, uh, health, con- health related, but, uh, that it just never happened that uh, they were never able to finish it and uh, i think that uh, a lot of people that have co-opted geek culture are the majority of the ones that are coming in that are fucking up geek culture and are making uh, everybody seem like an asshole when really it's just they're the assholes and the people that promoting as the assholes are the ones that want them out you know, like, it's like they don't want these j- just people that a year ago decided that uh, they were going to cosplay as Harley Quinn and now all of a sudden understand comic books. A big thing that's come out recently, uh, you want to talk about, you have all these bloggers and whatnot that are bitching about Iron Fist and, uh, oh, Iron Fist should be Asian. And, and it just goes the to show that. The character's white in the comics. The yeah, character he's a has been He's white. a blonde white guy and always has been. He's been that for 40 years and they're coming <laughs> along and because they got into comics, you know, two years ago and they think that, oh, well, he's a Kung Fu master. He must be Asian and they cast a white guy in the role. So it's they're they're just dicking everything up. I, I love Harlan Ellison because he's that's a kind of brutal, blunt honesty that we will probably never see again. For starters, I think. uh 
fans are seriously some of the worst fucking people on the planet. <laughs> and I and I know that's really not a popular opinion because we if fans of this show, fine. But I'm, I'm talking about a, a specific type of fan, and it's those kind of entitled elitist little shits who think they know better than the creators of the content they're watching. And this this can fall into the category of YouTube producers. It can fall into the category of comic book writers and movie directors and actors. These little shits that think that they could do better or that their ideas are better or no, Iron Fist should be Asian. I didn't like this in this movie. This should have been different. Fuck you. Stop spending the money and stop paying any attention to it then. These these little soul-sucking freaks who just bombard the Twitters and, and message boards and stuff of, of celebrities or people who are going out of their way and putting in the man hours to create this stuff. And I'm not saying that criticism shouldn't exist, but it's these people that expect shit to be catered to them. Like, this needs to be diversive. This needs to to be uh, gender neutral. This needs to be this. No, it doesn't. A writer and a creator should have the creativity to make whatever the fuck they want. They're not making it necessarily for fans. They're making it for themselves as an outlet, and whoever enjoys it, enjoys it. That should be the point. I feel like people aren't doing that as much anymore. There aren't creators like, or not as many anyway, like Harlan Ellison, who didn't give a fuck. He just made what he wanted to make. And, yeah, I think a lot of the people that the Cecil was mentioning, the the Marvel fanboys that their launching pad was like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, dumb shit idiots that think Iron Fist should be Asian or or just just really look at look at these people who who don't want uh, diverse characters. These people don't want any black characters. It's not a, a part of the Steven Universe. Go fuck yourselves. Go fucking crawl back into your little Morlock caves. God damn it. Look at it like this. Stephen King saw this coming. Annie Wilkes is a modern-day Internet fan of a genre show or movie, isn't she? Oh, my God. That's yeah. so accurate. Holy shit. Stephen Absolutely. King predicted this. Because, really, when you look at Misery Chastain, that is like the George R.R. R. Martin situation or the Harlan Ellison. Annie yeah. Wilkes is one of these Twitter boyers. <laughs> yeah. That's I, so I could, true. Almost I totally every, see that. The thing when she, when she goes on about the uh, the serials or whatever, that's, that is word for word like a fucking YouTube comment section rant. Annie Wilkes is absolutely a psychotic keyboard warrior. I didn't hear her call one person a faggot. Yeah, well, that's where she went wrong. Cock-a-duty. <laughs> there you go, cock-a-duty. But then... Yeah. What about when, to not get fan ire, the filmmakers pander? To me, this is not the same as fan service. This is pandering. For instance, when George Lucas made Star Wars back in 1977, he was friends with, like, Isaac Asimov and Harlan Ellison and people like this. And they were telling him when he had all these huge explosions in space, they said, space wouldn't do that. And I'm quoting from George Lucas. The people watching this movie expect a boom, so I give them a boom. What he's saying there is... If I don't give them a boom, I'm going to get shit over that. So I'm going to give them a boom. Isn't that pandering rather than fan service? To be perfectly honest, he was right. You know? I mean, can you imagine, like, I mean, what what movie have you seen where something explodes in space and doesn't explode? 
Star Wars was the the serial uh, show like done with a a bigger you know scale. So it was basically the Flash Gordons and the uh, um, that that kind of show just done for the wider audience. So in that case, he was absolutely right. He gave people the big booms that they wanted, and Star Wars went on to become a billion dollar franchise. A multi-billion dollar franchise. So there are certain cases where things are correct. Do you want to be scientifically accurate or do you want to make something that's like fun? Like if you're doing something serious, like if they're doing uh, the right stuff and something explodes in space and there's a giant fireball. All right. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But you're doing a you're doing a movie about people that move shit with their minds and they're talking to aliens and there's a a, a giant moon that's blowing up planets. Yeah, I want to see shit blow up. Yeah, I, I don't really care. I mean, there's a lot of things in movies that aren't that aren't accurate. Like uh, like when people get shot, the whole blood pack thing explodes from the front. Like when people actually get shot, it's the exit wound that's bigger. You barely ever see that in movies, especially in a, in a good Paul Verhoeven shoot 'em up. So I really don't care. I mean, I'm probably never going to fly around in space and blow something up, so I'm never probably going to get to see how an actual space explosion or not explosion is going to look like. So the booms in space all the way. Hell yeah, let's do it. Especially in the case of a TV show, they become self-aware. And I know Cecil's going to yell at me, but like The Walking Dead has become the walking clickbait. And you can see this if you watch the whole series in progression. The first two, two and a half seasons, they're treating this like a TV show. Then after that, they become super, super, super popular. And all of a sudden, you have the deceptive editing to, oh, did they die? Oh, when you tuned in next week, no, Glenn didn't die yet again. Oh, did Glenn die? No, Glenn didn't die yet again. But you thought it because of the way we edited that scene. And then finally, with the whole Negan thing at the end of the last season, even Robert Kirkman walked that one back saying, yeah, we kind of screwed up with that because of how bad the fans reacted to that. They, This is the walking clickbait. They're more aware of what can we do to make people just wring their hands for seven days waiting for the next episode instead of let's tell a really good story. Cecil, I know you're going to take me to task for that, but you can't deny they have become the walking clickbait. In the last two seasons, I can count a dozen different instances where a deceptive camera angle or deceptive editing was used to go, ah, gotcha! I don't like, you know, I, I don't like, uh, I don't like it being overused, but you're gonna, you're gonna deny that people aren't continuously coming back, and I could see if they were doing it over and over again and people were losing their minds about it. But for the most part, if uh, every time there's a new episode after, you know, you go on social media, people, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Oh, if this person dies, we riot. Oh, my. So I I may not be particularly a big fan of it, but it's it's getting you can't deny it's getting results. Will Batman and Robin escape the clutches of the penguins death trap? <laughs> Find out next week. Same walking dead time. Same walking dead channel it's been happening for years and in in case of the uh in the case of the negan thing someone is dead someone has actually a character is literally got their head bashed in uh because that character in the comic he does kill off a central character and they're definitely doing a nod to that so i think it is effective clickbait because when this season starts someone's fucking dead Someone will be fucking dead, and it might actually be Glenn, because he's the one that gets his uh, head violently caved in, in the comics anyway. I think if it works, it works. I, I don't really necessarily see it as clickbait. It's just cliffhangers. I mean, shows have 
always been doing that. In, you know, we were just talking about Annie Wilkes and, and how close to internet culture reacting to, to stuff like that is. It's pretty much the same thing now with Walking Dead is, is people going, Oh, bullshit. We totally saw them die last week. Cock a duty. People are just going, there, there have been Annie Wilkes in fandoms and shit since the the beginning of of tv shows and movies with sequels and stuff so i i don't really have a problem with it like there there's been clickbait since before there was bait to click on okay well what about when fan entitlement might kind of work in your favor this one didn't technically work out but did you guys ever see the 2004 global frequency pilot that the wb made but never aired no no it was based on the comic book Global Frequency and starred Michelle Forbes as Miranda Zero. Amazing pilot. The WB didn't air it. Now, remember, YouTube doesn't even exist at this point, okay? But Torrance did. It was torrented so many times that the WB actually went, you know what? There might be an audience here. And they considered actually picking it up based on how much it was pirated. Mm. In a case like that, the fans might have accidentally almost got that show on the air is that a weird kind of positive fan entitlement that they said look you made this we want to see it i don't care if you i don't care if you actually air it we're still going to find a copy i mean fans have been doing that for that dark shadows pilot that was made in the early 2000s it's been shown Mm. at a couple of conventions because it has not hit the torrent sites yet people want to see this so bad but warner brothers is just like it's not happening we're never releasing this for some reason I'd say that's more, that's just what true blue fans are like. I mean, maybe Harlan Ellison kind of hates people like that, that'll, that still want to see his, see his work or whatever, even after he's dead. Fans will want to do that. We, we want to see the content that we'd like to see and people will try to search high and low for scripts or, you know, lost pilots of things or unreleased movies. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. I think that's what, that's what being a fan is really all about i don't necessarily think that's even entitlement like you just want to see it you know there's nothing really harmful there you're not going out and lambasting somebody for anything you you just simply want to see something that was unreleased that you were really looking forward to i think that's honestly what being a fan is all about it's part of it anyway that's the positive part it's just you're just geeking out over something i don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, I think it's just, uh, yeah, the, the, the same thing. It's you, uh, really want to see something and somebody's telling you that you can't see it. So, uh, they search out, uh, even the bad stuff. I mean, how many people were dying to see the, uh, the Kevin Smith, uh, clerks pilot, even though he said, no, it's terrible. Please don't watch this. This is terrible. This is awful. <laughs> and then when we finally saw it, we were like, wow, this is actually worse than I thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. You get a lot of people that they want want to see stuff regardless and uh and there's there's a certain um curiosity factor you want to see that show that you thought sounded cool but they made the pilot for and they didn't release it i know like aquaman was you know was making the rounds i know what the wonder woman pilot was making the rounds uh all of those I've things seen, i've seen both of those but the wonder woman pilot is an interesting one because it's terrible i mean it is so yeah. bad and i love david e kelly I wanted to throttle him for how bad that Wonder Woman pilot is, which also brings up my next point. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone. Well, in the early 90s, his wife, you know, he died in 1975, his wife found in an old trunk two completed Twilight Zone scripts that were never filmed. So Mm -hmm. CBS did a special called Rod Serling's Lost Classics, where they made these two Twilight Zone scripts. And when you watched the special, you went, 
There was a reason these two scripts were never filmed. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so sometimes you get that. There's a reason we don't see these things sometimes. Sometimes they're really bad, like Wonder Woman or Clerks or Lost mm. Classics. They should have remained buried. I mean, I'm happy I've seen Wonder Woman. I'm happy I've seen the Clerks pilots, but they're not good. Not at all. But that that doesn't – but, I mean, that's not necessarily the fault of the thing. They saw that it was bad. They didn't want it to get released. It got leaked anyway. People saw it and then complained that it's bad. You don't get to complain that it's bad because you weren't supposed to see it in the first place. Okay, then to follow up that, what about, like, the Suicide Squad trailer? The one that was shown at Comic-Con that was supposed to be a Comic-Con exclusive and was never supposed to be put on YouTube or Warner Brothers' website or anything. But then somebody leaked a camcorder footage of it, and within 24 hours it had over a million views, and Warner Brothers reluctantly eventually released it to YouTube and whatnot. Is that right to do to the fans to say, hey, we have an exclusive thing for you, that's positive. If you're not able to come to Comic-Con, you know, and spend, you know, $300 for hotel rooms and travel and another few hundred on, on tickets, and if you're not willing to spend a thousand bucks, then you don't get to see this thing. Is that kind of dick move? Well, here's the thing with that. I see the two sides of that. The first side being is that they wanted to give people something exclusive. They wanted them, hey, you paid all this money, you worked your ass off, you figured out a way to get here, we want to give you something that you can see that you're only going to be able to see here. And the thing was, the caveat with that was that, look, this is a trailer for a movie, the effects aren't finished yet, they're, you know, it's not really, you know, the way that it's supposed to be. It was a fantastic trailer, though. But beyond, but the thing is, a lot of times, a lot of those Comic-Con trailers are very unfinished. And when you release mm -hmm. that to an audience at a Comic-Con, they're going to understand, okay, you know, you got somebody that comes out and says, look, here's the trailer, but the effects aren't finished. This isn't done. We haven't really finalized a lot of this stuff yet. Okay, cool. People watch it. They get excited. They understand that. When you release it on YouTube, you're unleashing it to the unwashed masses. You're unleashing it to the bazillions of people that have no idea about the fact that the trailer is not indicative of the finished film. So they're going to be, hey, the effects aren't done. This movie looks like garbage. And unfortunately, that is going to undermine the thing because you're going to get people that are going to be talking to other people and they're going to tell, oh, this movie looked terrible. Oh, my God, can you see that? And then that could potentially have a negative impact on the opening weekend income because they're watching a trailer that really wasn't meant for them to see. So it is a very double-edged sword it's like look this was created for the fans to see but if they do release it to youtube or whatnot there is a large chance that the people that are going to see this are going to not necessarily be fans and are not going to understand that uh this is not a completed thing yet that this is still a work in progress while well every time there's a big comic-con thing and i want to see the trailers i understand why they do kind of do that and there are the trailers that leaked and then they go out of their way to take them down and honestly i also think a good bit of that is because it's free publicity you get people that will leak the trailer and then uh that gets a buzz going about it because people always want to see that thing that you can't see that actually so just happened this last week with the dark tower work print trailer there was a trailer, a, a very rough cut of the Dark Tower trailer that got leaked for about five hours 
Within five hours, Sony had sent over a thousand C and Ds, and that trailer I haven't seen it yet because it have it got leaked while I was in bed. It was already pulled down by the time I woke up. I do kind of want to see it, right? But the thing is, but you're not supposed to. That's not the fault of Sony. That's not you know the, the and and the thing is, it's it, how bad is uh, have things gotten that we're now. Like I, I just, like we're getting trailers for trailers, and now they're getting leaked footage of trailers. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just irritating. I can't really fault the the people at Comic Con for trying to give somebody, like as Cecil said, people something exclusive. They work their asses off to get to the event, and it's something that only they can see. The problem is, we're living in the internet generation. This is something that worked a lot better before the internet existed, when it was all about tape tradings and getting exclusive things and finding, you know, something in a, in a publication like a magazine and, and saving it and getting like a special coupon code or whatever. That's almost impossible to do now, unfortunately. There isn't quite as much mystery when it comes to marketing a movie and having like little exclusive things because eventually everybody's going to see it. Somebody recorded it on their iPhone or boot or bootlegged it somehow or acquired a copy of it. And in that case, I don't really see point like i see why they're doing the exclusive thing but i don't see the point just show people the fucking trailer if it's not ready to be shown yet don't show it stop showing things so early because then you've got all the uppity elitist fans that immediately hate a trailer or or will judge something just right off the bat upon seeing it even if it's unfinished it's dangerous it can affect the movie like and in the case of suicide squad it clearly wasn't done because as soon as they showed the trailer and the fans reaction to it of oh no and now it's too dark and uh, people won't like it like like they didn't like batman versus superman so we have to go reshoot things and change things it's it's ruining films honestly focus groups and like exclusive trailer stuff of unfinished films and people saying shit way too early is ruining the fucking film industry well and I, I think when it comes to trailers and that sometimes they overdo it as well I can't even count how many different nerd and geek websites I go to on a weekly basis that, like, with Star Wars Rogue One coming out, which I actually do want to see. There, mm-hmm. there, There's, like, four seconds of footage in the Japanese trailer that's not in the American trailer. Oh, my God, everybody freak out! There's this new thing, and then there's all this analysis of it. What does this mean? Darth Vader's in this position where he wasn't in the American cut. What does this mean? I personally... If I re- if I'm reading an article or a web page that says fan theory, I immediately click off of it. I can't stand <laughs> this fan theory will totally make you look at Breaking Bad differently. After you hear this fan theory, you'll never be able to look at Fight Club the same way. I'm going to I'm going to quote Peter here. Fuck off. <laughs> I hate if I hear fan theory, I immediately tune out. You are entitled as a fan to think and say what you want. Fine. I'm also entitled to tell you you're a fucking moron. You get the work as it is. Fight Club doesn't change if all of a sudden somebody convinces you, which is a real theory that's out there, that Jack is actually Jackie Paper from Puff the Magic Dragon. Where do they live? Paper Street. And there's all these little things. And you go, those are called coincidences. Shut up. I ran into a fan theory thing with my Blair Witch Project video where I had a lot of people that were like, you know, have you seen the fan theory video uh, about how it's not, there was no witch? And I, like, Nat Pat, the guy who did the, the fan theory video that they're talking about, he does a lot of that stuff. But his stuff is usually really interesting. And he even says, this is just a theory. 
Like, this is not fact. This is not, like, this isn't even supposed to be what it was intended to be. It's just, hey, let's look at this thing a little bit differently. But you get a lot of people that they take it too seriously. And I had so many people that, after they saw that, they're like, don't you know that it was really, uh, that there was no witch. Uh, the two guys were just conspiring to murder Heather. No, it wasn't. Like, that's not what the movie was. Like, that's just what he said the theory was. And it was a clever, you know, idea and concept that he threw together. You know, and he did, he does his homework and puts that together. But I get more annoyed at the people that will take that as, like, that is the new word is law. Oh, well, this is how it is because this one guy said it was that way. And he did a video on it. As far as the, uh, the, the trailers and video and all that i can't stand them because i go out of my way to avoid watching them oh and and if i'm going through youtube and i see a thumbnail and there's an arrow with a circle pointing at something and being like here's the sixth thing you want i will not watch your video i could be the greatest thing in the world i am not falling for that horse shit I hate this term, Easter eggs. Look at all the Easter uh, eggs in the new Netflix Marvel trailer. First yeah. of all, they're not Easter eggs. They're just things that are in there. And nine times out of ten, you see those when the trailer first gets released. And after you see the show, you go, yeah, you were wrong about nine-tenths of those. Shut the fuck up. But it doesn't matter because they got a million-plus views. Because it was the hot topic at the time and everybody jumped all over it. I, I see why they do it. I understand why they do it. I probably would have a lot more subscribers if I did that, but that's not how I roll. So I, I hope you have a little more that. integrity than that. I really hope you do. Well, as a very smart person once said, you can only sell your integrity once. So there's uh, somebody who I follow who recently sold their in sold their integrity f and now they're dealing with a lot of backlash. It comes with a price, and uh, that's I. I'm not gonna. I've been doing this shit for six years now. I'm not all of a sudden uh, gonna just start pandering for good reviews because it, they're you know because now I have enough subscribers that they feel like paying for it. No, you know, you, you. I'm not. I'm not falling. Like I've gotten so many emails and oh well, please talk about this. We'll pay you X amount of money. Please promote this. Uh, we're not gonna let you watch the movie, but we want you to uh, sell it as a good movie. And I'm like, no. Send me a copy. I'll review it. I'll talk about whether or not it's good. I'm like, I'm not going to say it's good, you know, because then if all of a sudden I start saying stuff's good that really I have no faith in and it genuinely sucks, you know, what's all this mean anyway? It all sucks. DC paid you to like Batman versus Superman the same way that that Marvel pays off all the critics. Again, this is a fan theory, by the way. So fuck off. <laughs> well, if, if DC paid me, they didn't pay me nearly enough. I, I do fan theories as jokes occasionally. I mean, I, I centered my, my review of William Lustig's Relentless on, on it being a sequel to Breakfast Club in, in that, uh, John Bender grows up to, to be a serial killer after just years of abuse from his, uh, father because his character in Relentless also gets abused by his father and ends up becoming a serial killer because of it. And that's obviously- Does that Mark, does that Mark look like about the size of a cigar? <laughs> it's like clearly meant to be facetious. Like I would never want anybody to take that seriously. And if, if they did, I would announce that they stop because I'm clearly kidding, but it's, it's just ridiculous. Like there, I saw another fan theory thing on fight club. I forget what, 
what the movie's name was, but it connects the whole Jack thing to this like fictional character that the kid has made as his like imaginary friend. And it's cloak like, and oh, dagger. Yeah, cloak and dagger. The whole uh, the cloak and dagger Fight Club theory, which it's an interesting theory, but shut up. Like it's it's lame. People put in way too much thought into that. Like, what if this connects with that? And what about like I'll tell you who the fucking worst is for this shit are Doctor Who fans. Doctor Who mm. fans are the worst fans in history. No, not everything is connected to fucking Doctor Who. Oh, Connor McLeod is immortal? He must be a Time Lord. Wolverine is, has lived all these, all these years. Time Lord, go fuck yourself. Just go, go fuck off and, and suck off mad black dudes. I don't know. Shut up. It's just fucking irritating. If you have a, I know I have, Doctor Who fans on my Facebook, and I'm sure there are people who listen to my show. No, no, that, no. I think uh, I think you had Doctor Who fans on your Facebook. Had Doctor Who fans, yeah. Just oh my god. Every now and then they'll just post some like Doctor Who fan theory about this character that's immortal, but from another thing. Oh, but but they're actually a, a Time Lord. And it's like just just shut up. Shut. This is so cringy. It's so beyond fucking cringy. Fans speculate and all that, and I think that's fine. That That's engaging with other fans, and they're using their imaginations. I am honestly all for that. But there are so many people that take it seriously. Like, there's one thing about having fun with this, and then just like with anything, taking it way too seriously. Like, I, I don't get into the whole cosplay element of fandom. I don't understand it. I know Sarah Hanley, and there's some others that I'm close to that, that do, and that's fine. But on the other hand... I've seen people at, like, some of these cons where if they're dressed as Captain America, they won't even respond to you unless you call them Steve Rogers. That's where I'm going, shut the fuck up. Going all method with their cosplay. And, and I think that's when you are taking this too seriously. Mm-hmm. You want to dress... The other thing about cosplay is nobody seems to just be able to dress up as whatever character they want to dress up as. They have to dress up as, no, 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 I'm not dressed up as Mario from the Nintendo games. I'm a steampunk version of an alternate reality mirror universe version of Mario. You know what? How's this? Die in front of me. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, dressing up as characters. I mean, I I like doing, uh, I mean, it's usually for Halloween and whatnot. Like, I'll, I'll put together, I'll work on a costume and put it together, but I'm not going to get all method into it. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing, like, steampunk or uh, cyberpunk variations of stuff. It's just, it goes with, with anything. Just don't be a dick about it, which which those people are when they, like, have to sit there and explain it to you or, or make you call them the character. Like, that's, that's I think that just might be fucking dementia. I don't mind cosplay in general because uh, it's just something dumb, fun, and it gets a lot of, um, I don't want to say a lot, it gets some attractive women to dress in a way that is appealing to me as a uh, comic book fan. Okay, you know, hey, I want to see a really pretty girl dressed up as uh, Supergirl. You just want Vampirella's boobs to fall out. Or Vampirella, <laughs> yeah, you know, something like that, you know. But uh, I think that some people take it way too far, and there's um, – I'm not going to tell people that, you know, they they can't cosplay whoever they want, but maybe the guy dressing up like Sailor Moon, eh, maybe it's not the best idea in the world, especially if you're 400 pounds. But you know what? If (laughs) if you do it and it makes you happy and, you know, it's something that you felt the need to do for whatever reason, eh, fine, knock yourself out. I think that what happened was 
when cosplay became big business, that's when uh, it it kind of turned into something else. Like I remember there was a time in the you know 80s, 90s, if you went to a comic book convention and uh, there was somebody, you know, you'd have like one or two people dressed up in a costume. It was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Now it's like an industry. You know, it's like you have people that uh, are making millions of dollars dressing up comic book characters or characters from TV shows, or you're doing the the ever popular. Well, this is uh, gender swapped Link. This is uh, gender swapped uh, this thing, and then like you said, this is the uh, steampunk Willy Wonka backwards reverse time travel. Eh, you know, all right, if you're having fun with it, cool, but you're getting like. You're you're you've lost the plot. To me, fan entitlement. This shit needs to go away. So that said, Cecil is entitled to his fans, even though he's always wrong, and that's the only reason they ever watch his show. Where would they see him be wrong? Uh, they could see me being right and continue to listen to me being very nice over at uh, EscapistMagazine.com, uh, GoodBadFlix.com, and Facebook and Twitter. And I will repeat it again: if you are following me on Instagram. You are following not me. You are following an imposter, and I'm trying <laughs> to uh, trying to put a stop to that. You have a fake Instagram, so you have a faggot Cecil now. Apparently, I, there's a faggot Cecil out there. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> like like I've had people that have put stuff up where they explicitly say, you know, I'm not the good bad flicks guy. I'm a fan or whatever. But this guy has been telling people that he is me. After we talked about it last week, I went and checked it out. They are claiming they are you, and they're even linking back to your website and everything. Yeah, that's uh, that ain't cool. Oh, my God. Eh, Peter's just know. mad nobody's impersonating him because they don't know where to find him. Well, if you if you want to create your own uh, faggot Peter uh, profile, uh, you, you can Facebook The Cinemasochist, on YouTube The Cinemasochist. Find me at 1201beyond.com. You can find me on the Grindhouse channel. And you know what? If you do want to create a fake account of me for whatever reason, I have an Instagram with a lot of embarrassing pictures, so feel free. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And I have no fans. I only have haters. I have people who hate listen to the show, which fuels me. I get up and <laughs> feed on it. Guys, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Hunt's not dead, it just deserves to die when it becomes another stale cartoon. A closed-minded, self-centered social club, ideas don't matter, it's who you The bright people out of our so-called scene Till all that's left is just a meaningless fad I've got the darkness Shake me, carry on what
It's ripped us apart even more than drugs By the thieves and the goddamn liars Ripping people off when they share their stuff When someone falls on their any friends Harder So we got the police, the pressure decrease, and the same old mistakes again and again. 
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.